Hi everyone, and welcome back to Optimistic Design, a speaker series where we take a practical, positive look at the future of design, ethical innovation, and technology. I'm your host, Wilma Lamb, Associate Director of Strategy here at Substantial. Today, I'm excited to catch up with Andy Leong. Andy is a product design lead at Karen, a company founded in 2014 with a mission to unlock opportunity for both hiring companies and candidates by re-engineering the interview process itself. As a designer, Andy helps the Carrot team build a more human-centered technical interview at scale. His path into design first featured stints in music and videography before becoming a product designer. Hi, Andy. Welcome, and thank you for joining me. Thanks, Oma. Good to be here. <laughs> Great. Um, and just to get us started, I'd love to hear you know, how you got into design to begin with. Yeah, um, I think, you know, growing up, I just always loved creating things um, and especially like working on on team projects and things like that. Um, grew up playing in bands, making movies with friends, shooting photography, like all those sort of, um, I don't know, like high school creative project stuff. Yeah. Um, and then my first job out of college was at this ed tech company um, in L.A., um, I was helping like teach some classes as well as um, designing like curriculum and other materials. I um, sort of transitioned into doing design there more full time, um, both, you know, like marketing materials as well as our website and some e-commerce stuff. Um, I really just gained a lot of experience um, like helping run and build a small business. It wasn't like a high growth startup or anything like that. Um, just kind of a more, um, you know, small mom and pop type operation. Um, but my boss was really great at just giving me a lot of space to learn and, um, you know, build things that I thought would be valuable. And so um, after a while there, I started um, to get hungry for something that was more fast paced, um, you know, the, the more typical like high growth sort of startup experience. Um, and so I applied to this uh, product design fellowship program in San Francisco called Whitespace, um, which was this amazing experience um, that um, I was paired with a startup, um, but then uh, got to participate in workshops and critiques and um, other things with the other fellows in the program um, over the first like three months there. Yeah. So that's actually what introduced me to Carrot, where I, yeah. I am today. Um, but had a great time just like in that program learning not only from you know the direct sort of instruction input that I got but really learning from the other eight folks in the in the program and like helping with the things that they were working on at their startups and um, just having this sort of like mini you know design school experience in a lot of ways um, and yeah been at Kira ever since. Awesome. I mean, it sounds like you've had a number of really formative kind of design learning experiences as you think across kind of like your past experience, how you became the designer you are today. Um, who do you think has most like influenced and inspired how you work now? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this and um, I kind of just kept going back to my dad, actually, who's not a designer um, <laughs> by any stretch, but uh, is really just this like, serial hobbyist. Um, like growing up, there was always some new thing that he would just get really into. And it wasn't like, you know, he had to, I don't know, go to some special school for this thing. It was just kind of like he would figure out how to do it on his own and just kind of yeah. learn new skills all the time. So whether it was like repairing cars or 
um, like learning a new musical instrument or how to golf or um, like all sorts of different things. Like, I think he was just um, a great model of like that, um, like lifelong learner, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think growing up, I sort of implicitly latched onto that. So a lot of my life, a lot of my career has just been, um, you know, just figuring stuff out, um, trying to do the, do the work, do the research to figure out like, well, what is like the best way to do this, but not being too intimidated by like, you know, oh, I I don't have this like formal background or training in this thing, but kind of just being able to throw myself into it. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that you had that learning mindset like modeled for you from such a young age. Your, your dad sounds like a really fun person. (laughs) This has been great. Um, so at the start of this, I gave a little bit of insight into, you know, Carrot and its mission, but could you talk a little bit with like in more detail about the mission specifically and how your role as a designer fits into Carrot's larger mission? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess like just as a, a starting point, like the problem space that we're in, I think, um, you know, we believe that the job interview is this um has potential to be this like amazing gateway to opportunity, right? For um, both job seekers and for companies that are hiring. Uh, but in their typical form, I think there's a lot of things that are just fundamentally broken about um, a job interview, right? Like any, anyone who's interviewed for a job can probably attest to having some yeah. um, negative experiences there. Um, there's lots of opportunity for bias to, to seep into the process. It's stressful for the candidate and for the interviewer. Um, and can lead to a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of teams or, you know, bad hires, I guess, teams made up of um, just sort of suboptimal um, team members. Um, And so that's just like, you know, issues kind of at the individual, like interview level. But when you look at the number of candidates, um, a company typically has to interview to fill a role. Um, a lot of the companies we work with um, have very high bars and it's anywhere from like 50 to 100 candidates that they see before they fill a single role. Um, you multiply that by the number of open roles that a company and you start to just see like the scale of that problem of the inefficiencies in uh, the interview process. So at Carrot, we think we can start to address that problem um, basically by being really good at conducting interviews and then partnering with companies to interview candidates on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like at a high level what what Carrot is, is trying to do. Um, as a designer, as a product designer, um, uh, my current role, I'm, I'm embedded on a small team with a PM and a few engineers. And essentially my role is to, you know, listen to the needs of our users and translate them into features and capabilities in our service. Um, so I guess kind of like a, I don't know, end-to-end like full stack designer type role. Um, lots of functional, you know, requirement gathering, um, spec writing and testing type work in addition to the more, um, you know, like production level UI UX uh, mm-hmm. design craft um, type work. Yeah. No, that's really helpful just to give a lay of the land of the organization and, and how you work within it. Um, so from, from my understanding from some previous conversations with you, um, the focus of Carrot's kind of interview product right now is on something called a technical interview, which I believe programmers go through. I'm not super familiar. 
with this space. Um, so it would be great if you could talk a little bit about, you know, what a technical interview is, like why Carrot and, and your team has been focused on these particular kinds of interviews and how they're conducted. Yeah, I mean, I was in the same boat when I um, first started at Carrot. Um, hadn't hadn't experienced a technical interview, at least to my knowledge before. But um, yeah, you're you're right on. Essentially, it is um, a pretty common step for a you know software engineering or software engineering related um, type of role. Mm-hmm. Um, something where you have to know how to code and um, basically like. Uh, they are a, um, you're presented with some sort of challenge, like, um, you know, here's uh, a given situation, um, some some starter code maybe of like, this is uh, an input you need to parse or some basic operation. And then you need to write a program that does what, you know, the prompt is asking for. Um, and it's, it's sort of seen as just like a, uh, gut check of like, can this person actually code? Do they have the technical chops um, mm-hmm. necessary to you know be successful in uh, this type of role? Yeah. Um, yeah. So based on this kind of understanding, can you talk a lot, little bit about like what are the kind of problems currently with technical interviews? Like how long do they take, and what specifically is Karen trying to solve for? Yeah. Um, problems with the technical interview. Um, I think like one of the things that, um, is really common with, with technical interviews is that they're not representative of what you would actually do in a day-to-day job, um, as a software engineer. It's maybe this little like toy problem or a thing where maybe the solution is actually really simple, but you just have to have really specific like domain knowledge to know what that like trick question is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and generally like there's a lot of, um, not, not necessarily something that, this isn't something that's unique to technical interviews, but to interviewing in general that um, the person conducting the interview maybe hasn't put in a, a lot of prep into how they should do that or what types of questions they sh- should ask or what types of things should they be looking for in a candidate. Um, and so that's one thing that I think we've just spent a lot of time trying to, to nail down. Um, you know, How can we create and ask questions um, that are actually predictive of on the job performance um, that are fair that like any candidate with those skills should be able to you know give an adequate answer to this, um, and then how can we sort of um, make sure that the person conducting that interview is doing it um, consistently, or that um, they're doing it consistently with the way that we think if they should be done, so that regardless of which um, interviewer you happen to get on a given day, um, you're going to be getting the same experience um, as a candidate. Okay, yeah, no, that's super helpful and definitely makes a lot of sense. Having been an interviewer before, it's definitely something you wonder about. It's like, oh, am I consistent enough from interview to interview? Did I prep as well for this candidate as for the last one? Um, So you introduced a little bit of some of the aspects around Carrot's platform. Could you actually walk through, like, what is it like to to go through the interview Mm -hmm. process? Um, with Carrot? Yeah. 
Um, so in a typical hiring process at any um, company, you know, there's going to be several stages um, to that process. We kind of slot right into the middle of that. Um, uh, we're really focused on assessing for technical ability, right? So just answering the question, can this person code? Um, will they be successful in a job where they're required to code um, at this company? Um, and that process is usually, you know, there's an initial, like you apply um, as a candidate, um, maybe you submit a resume, then a recruiter or someone on the recruiting team reviews your resume, sees like, okay, at a basic level, is this person, um, you know, going to fit in with like our requirements here? Mm -hmm. There's probably a recruiter phone call. And then if that goes well, they get sent to um, a carrot interview. Um, after the carrot interview, if they've kind of passed their bar, then they would move on to like an on-site um, loop, which is basically, you know, a series of interviews, uh, more behavioral interviews with people that actually work at the company. Um, and then from there, you know, get made an offer and, and hopefully got hired. Um, so the stage that we're focused on, right, is like this middle kind of technical um, assessment. And so after the recruiter screen, uh, the candidate is sent an invite to schedule their interview on our platform. Um, and we actually pair the candidate with one of our, um, we call our interviewers, interview engineers, um, mm -hmm. because they are software engineers by trade, but um, are really specialized in the art and craft of interviewing. Mm -hmm. um, so we pair them with an interview engineer who actually conducts the interview. Um, we give the candidate some like, you know, prep materials, resources, and then um, the basic uh, interview is this live, like one hour long um, uh, video chat with a collaborative code editor um, editor tool. Uh, the format um, kind of depends on the role. We do a lot of customization depending on, you know, the company that is doing the hiring, what their needs are. Um, but generally there's some like introduction time, a discussion of like a past project maybe some knowledge questions around like a specific, um, you know, domain that they need to be um, competent in at, but the, the bulk of the time is spent on a programming exercise where um, kind of like what I described earlier, where they're asked to, um, you know, program a solution to, to a problem. Um, after that one hour ends, our interview engineer writes up um, a bunch of notes about what happened. Uh, we actually do a quality check process for every interview. So we make sure that um, it was done according to our guidelines and is consistent with all the other interviews that we conduct. Um, and then we deliver a recap of everything to the, the company that's you know doing the hiring. Um, and we uh, give them like a lot of the, just the raw results of what the candidate did, but we also provide a recommendation of um, you know, what we think they should do in terms of next steps. Um, so then from there, you know, the, the hiring company kind of takes it, um, but that's the, the loop that we're focused on. Okay. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And I think if I recall correctly, that Carrot platform, it also allows interviewer, interviewees to select like whatever times work best for them and mm -hmm. also potentially to do like a, a redo. Could you talk a little bit about like those features and like what prompted them? Yeah, well, I think like one thing that we've um, uh, just looked at since the beginning is 
is understanding that there's, um, you know, there's a, a power dynamic typically at play with any like hiring experience, right? That it's sort of like the company doing the hiring um, traditionally at least carries a lot of uh, like their share of sort of the power in that relationship. Um, increasingly, especially in tech and especially in engineering roles, um, that's shifted a little bit as it's gotten so competitive for good engineering talent. Um, but I think we wanted to make it so that it's not just uh, this one-sided experience where the candidate has to jump through all these hoops and isn't really offered, um, uh, you know, any like consolations along the way. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that uh, we're able to do is offer basically 24 seven scheduling. So our network of interview engineers is a global network. Um, people are um, doing this typically in like a freelance um, uh engagement model. So maybe they have a normal nine to five job. Maybe they have some like development projects that they do on the side, but then I'm um, interviewing on the care platform as sort of the side business for them. So instead of being limited to conducting your interview as a candidate during like business, like typical work hours, mm -hmm. having to make up like a doctor's appointment or something so that you can get out of showing up to work to uh, make it to your interview. Um, we actually have, I think like over half of our interviews are conducted on like nights and weekends. Um, so it's like, uh, one thing that we do to sort of, um, just be more convenient for a candidate. Um, and then another key thing that, that you mentioned is our redo policy. And so, um, because it's so easy for us to spin up an interview, um, we, we have the scale and capacity to do that. Um, we can really easily offer the candidate a chance to retake their interview if they felt like it wasn't representative of their best, uh, you know, performance. Um, a lot of times, you know, people just have a bad day. Maybe there's something really distracting, but they feel like I committed to this time. I got to show up and do this interview. Um, maybe it was just like the question we asked, like hit at this one gap of knowledge that they have, but it wasn't actually representative of, you know, their true ability. Um, and so we offer candidates the chance to, before, you know, there's been a decision from the um, hiring company that they can say, you know what, I actually like think I can show up better um, than I did that first time and, and retake the interview with a different question and a different interviewer um, and, and uh, go from there. We've actually had a number of candidates who, um, their first interview, yeah, like they wouldn't have made it through to the next round and they um, improve on their second one and go on to get hired. So it's cool to have um, names and stories of candidates who um, are actually in jobs because of this policy that otherwise, you know, wouldn't have um, happened. Yeah, no, that's like some incredible change, not only to see, but actually now to have metrics around. Um, yeah, I'm thinking around also Carrot's core mission um, of driving systemic change in the tech industry. I can see how with like what we've just talked about, it's it's changing like key mindsets. Mm -hmm. um, but as you think about systemic change in the tech industry when it comes to hiring, I mean, could you ex like expand upon like what that means? Yeah, I think there's like probably two big areas where that comes into play for us. Like, um, I, I mean, you know, it's no secret tech has a lot of issues with diversity, right? Um, that as much as it's this new and um, innovative industry, I think um, 
you know, we have bleep that's not really living up to its potential because the teams building the future that are um, creating the technology that, um, you know, we're using mm -hmm. in all the different aspects of our lives, that those teams aren't always representative of, you know, the wider population. And there's, uh, yeah, just gaps and um, things that aren't being um, problem spaces that aren't being addressed or that are being addressed inadequately, right? Um, and so I think that's one thing that if if we can stay true to our mission of, of delivering a more fair interview, more predictive, more enjoyable for candidates, um, that we might actually be able to uh, counterbalance some of, some of those issues. Um, and then I think the second thing is just that hiring in general, especially in tech for high growth companies that need to hire really fast. It's just the interview process is a huge bottleneck to growth. Like I think we've done surveys with um, engineering leaders who say like, if you could have, you know, I forget what the um, prompt is, but like an extra, you know, X amount of cash or an extra like 50 engineers, like which would you prefer? And um, everyone always picks the, the engineers. They want the head count because that's the biggest like limiting factor on them achieving what their missions are. Um, so I think if we can um, address that inefficiency, then we're like just such a key piece in, in the story of all these companies that we're hiring or that we're helping hire as well as, you know, the, the stories of these candidates who are yeah. now able to get into the jobs that they want um, and get access to those opportunities. Yeah, no, that's great and super helpful and definitely need a change, I think, yeah. and really important to the industry at large. Um, I'm curious about, you know, earlier we talked a little bit about opportunities for candidates to be able to, you know, do interviews on nights and weekends or the need for the redo policy you know, these must have come out of like early on understanding of unique needs, both for interviewers and interviewees. Um, so kind of reflecting back on those early days of Carrot, I'd love to understand, you know, as a designer and as part of the product team, how did you include like the point of view and experiences of interviewees, interviewers, and hiring partners in the design and product development process? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I joined it was a very, um, very small shop. There were, yeah. I think, more or less ten of us on on the full time team, and so um, uh, not only was our sort of core team small, but we only had you know a very small number of actual um, like customers who were paying us to do this. We had a very small number of candidates that were interviewing, um, and a small number of interview engineers conducting the interview. So it was really easy to talk to three, four or five people and feel like, okay, that's a pretty representative um, mm -hmm. collection of, of voices. Um, we really were built like Slack is such an integral part of our company culture. And we have um, a lot of our different stakeholders, especially the interview engineer community, they're just in our main Slack, like kind of partitioned off and, you know, um, in terms of permissions and stuff. But uh, it's really easy to just access this big group of um, stakeholders that we serve and um, get, give them updates on things to coordinate schedules, to get feedback on um, like early ideas and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and so that was like I think an, an easy thing that like we could just go out and talk to the people directly. There there really weren't very many layers um, in between us and and our users. Yeah. Um, and then even internally, I think every team was just super connected um, when we're that small, right? Like we can all the whole company can fit in a small room around one table, and so. Um, we were just very aware of the different problems that um, each person, each team was encountering. And it made it, um, uh, I don't know, just easy to figure out, okay, this is like how we could address that. Like we're working on this one thing that should like um, get at the problem you're facing over here um, and just moving, you know, really fast um, in the early days. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, as Carrot has scaled and, and grown, obviously a lot more users, a lot more hiring partners, I imagine a lot more interview engineers. So today, how do you kind of make sure that the voice of all these stakeholders is still brought into that ongoing design mm-hmm. process that you have? Yeah. So I think, you know, some of that old ways is definitely still happening. Um, Slack is still a big part of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say maybe say it's more so the case with internal stakeholders that that's still like a really strong um, like sort of communication channel. Um, but at the same time, I think it's it's harder to get a sense of the broader picture when that's like your only tool, right? So fortunately, as the, the company has grown, as our user base has grown, um, you know, our sample size of data has grown a lot too. So there's just a lot more, um, you have more usable like metrics, more opportunities um, to feature flag things or test things to like a small percentage of users before rolling out to everyone and just gathering um, data and feedback um, in more like sort of quantifiable ways, I guess. Um, So there's definitely been opportunity, I think as we've grown to to branch out into other um, uh, like, communication um, channels. And so I think today it's it's sort of figuring out like our challenges, how do we balance like the two of those and make sure that we're not overly reliant on one or the other, but we can kind of get the best of, of each uh, style of, of feedback. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, just in like our conversation here, I feel like you've been able to reflect a lot on your experiences at, at Carrot and what it's like to be a designer in a company that's experiencing high growth and went from you know a small team to a larger team now. Um, so I'm wondering if you had to give advice to like new UI, UX designers that are interested in joining an early stage startup, what would you say? Yeah, well, I guess like, do you mean advice um, for like how to get the job or like how to be successful once you're there? Maybe how to be successful once yeah. Um, I mean, I think like, you know, and I'll caveat this is like, this is my experience. I don't know if this is like a universally true thing by any means, but my first couple of years, I think I was not an expert in what I was doing, right? I was not an expert in technical interviews or managing this like three-way marketplace um, or anything like that, but I just jumped in um, and tried to provide value like wherever I felt like I could provide value. Um, it's really hard to go into an early stage startup with the mindset that you're going to be really specialized on this one thing. Like if you're a designer and you're like, you know, what? I really love motion design. Um, 
maybe a startup isn't going to be a great, like an early stage startup, you might not be able to just do that, right? You need to be able to wear a lot of different hats and um, fill in where there's need. So that was like, you know, what I try to do, especially in the early days is, um, you know, especially as like the, the first designer, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of product work to do, but there's also, we didn't have a designer for marketing or for um, internal culture stuff, or, you know, I, I had a background in photography. So I ended up shooting a lot of like promotional photos or just documenting like team events and things. Right. Um, and, and I think the, the other thing I would sort of encourage is just to really invest in your team as well that like, um, you know, the, the people that you're working with are going to make or break mm. the experience, right? There, there's not like, oh, there's this other part of the company that we can like rely on or whatever. It's like the people that are there are it. And um, I think it's important to like make sure that people are, um, you know, being taken care of, that um, those relationships are healthy. And um, ultimately, I think that like you're having fun together. Like I think the early days of started for sure should be, um, should be fun, should be enjoyable. Like you should be able to um, push each other in, in good ways towards like what you're working towards, but also um, just enjoying the ride, you know? Yeah. Now I think that's wonderful advice. I think especially about like the people and the culture um, really just makes your day-to-day experience. <laughs> Um, so it's been, you know, five years since you joined Carrot, and I think over that time, I mean, we touched on a little bit earlier, the tech industry conversation hiring has changed like quite a bit. Um, as you think about the future of hiring in tech, you know, what is top of mind now? And in particular, I'm always curious to hear, what are you optimistic about? Mm, yeah. I mean, I think one thing, you know, that's obviously been like an issue and, and been there for a while is um, just the conversation around diversity, equity, inclusion um, in tech. And I think hiring obviously is just one part of, you know, that conversation and, and how that's left out, but it's a critical part, right? Like getting people in the door um, right now, just like isn't, isn't happening at the level that it needs to. And so um I think part of that, you know, a lot of the model for what companies are looking for um, in a candidate is still kind of based on what the skills are of the people who have already been there, which if we're looking at like historically is not the most diverse or inclusive group. Um, you're only going to perpetuate that in like assessing for those things in the hiring process. So I think something that I'm hopeful for as I look towards the future, I feel, I feel like people are starting to listen to those voices who've been saying for a long time, like, hey, you're missing out on like a lot when you're only looking at people that went to these schools who look like this and, um, you know, worked at these companies or whatever, um, that there's, yeah, just like so much to be gained in terms of innovation, um, in terms of I don't know, just like team dynamics and stuff, right? When you're um, getting out of the business of building like a monoculture. Um, so at a, at a high level, I think I'm, you know, looking forward to more of that in the future. I think in terms of like what Carrot sort of focus on specifically, I'm excited for the next 
like generation of assessments um, that's maybe better at looking for things that you might not have thought were important before, um, but can actually have like a material um, positive impact on your team, right? So um, one thing we're starting to look at is like, how can we identify um, potential in a candidate? So not just like, oh, this candidate is at this bar like currently, but like, is this person like on track to be at this level if they receive like X, Y, or Z? Um, and then like relatedly, I guess, getting better at equipping hiring managers and those making hiring decisions um, to like make better decisions, right? So it's one thing to like be able to assess for those things and to present um, you know, a fuller picture of, of what a candidate's skill sets um, uh, include. But uh, I think it's the other side of the coin that's like arguably just as important as um, re-educating um, hiring managers and people making those hiring decisions to um, sort of value those criteria, those competencies in the same way that they do the things that they've historically valued. Now, that's a really thoughtful answer, and I appreciate that you talked about it both at the industry level and, you know, what Carrot's doing now specifically. I, you know, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's especially kind of in, inspiring, like, with what you're talking about. There's sort of a mindset shift to not how can we evaluate people and, like, take them out of the interview process, but how can we actually assess them as a whole person and try to actually, you know, find as many ways as possible to allow them to continue with the interview process to try to like say yes mm -hmm. to a candidate versus saying no. It seems like such a big mindset shift for the industry, but a lot more, I think, human. Um, so Andy, I wanna say thank you so much for joining me. Um, and for anyone that's watching out there, if you'd like to learn more about Andy and his team and what they're doing um, at Carrot, you can please go to Carrot karat.com. And thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to follow along and hear more about um, optimistic design and what we're up to here, you can head to substantial.com backslash optimistic design and join us next month as we continue to take a future focused look at design and ethical innovation. Um, so I'm Oma Lamb and I look forward to seeing you again. And thank you again so much, Andy. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. All right, awesome. Thank you.